Hi, this is James Stokem, host of Webcomics Reviews and Interviews. Tonight we're talking about pacing, so sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. Some of you actually enjoy going to parks and running for the sake of exercise. Personally, if I'm in a park and I'm running, yeah, you can count it being something big, furry, and thinged somewhere behind me, preferably in the distance. But, for those of you who actually enjoy running, or at least like pretending to, you notice real quick that, well, your pace, that is how fast you're going, changes depending on where you are within the run. That is, when you're first getting into the run, you're trying to get the muscles going and the endorphins going. Well, you're going a little bit slower than you probably will throughout the rest of the run. On the other hand, if you happen to be going up an incline, you're going to be going ridiculously slow as gravity pulls against you. Conversely, as gravity says hi and grabs you by the throat, you're going to be speeding up a little bit. Hopefully not too far. And of course, if you happen to be going on a nice level area, you happen to be going at a nice comfortable pace. Of course, the closer you get to the finish line, well, you're basically going to be going a little bit faster than you were at the beginning. Now, obviously, the endorphins have kicked in, your body's nice and warmed up, and you're into it. And on top of that, when you start seeing the finish line, or wherever you decided the finishing spot's going to be, you're going to start picking up your pace just to get there as fast as you possibly can. In fact, one of the really cool things exercise tips I can give you as a bonus is that you can actually set your, well, I would say Walkman, that pretty much dates me, but whatever your listening device of choice happens to be, your telephone, some sort of player, yeah, you can actually create a playlist that will actually help you through various segments of your run. But the key here is that we're looking at the pacing of the run. That is, how fast you are going at a particular moment in time relative to the run. Obviously, your pacing is different depending on what's going on during your run. And the same applies to a script. That is, we as writers like to have a little bit of fun with the pacing and change it in order to make points. And if you're actually paying attention to a really good script, you tend to notice these a little bit. You know, if you've got a person who all of a sudden is taking six panels to walk through a hall, well, you're going to be seeing there's a heavy emotional weight to that particular scene. Because while it's been slowed down, you're being forced to examine it, see what's actually going on, and digest what's going down. Conversely, if we've got a really cool, fast-paced action scene going on, you're going to be skimming through that thing as fast as you possibly can in order to get to the next panel. In fact... One of these, you really want to see something funny, you can actually give a person a printed comic book and they will actually go through the pages faster whenever they get to the action. In fact, one of the signs that people have mastered the craft is just how fast they can actually get people to go in certain areas. And by how fast, I don't necessarily mean speed. You know, we're talking something, well, like you said, you want to slow them down. If you're a real good master of the craft, you'll have that person going at exactly how fast you want them to go throughout the entire comic. Unfortunately, one of the hallmarks of a beginner is that they haven't quite mastered the pacing thing. What this basically means is that expository dialogue tends to be more of a slog, and even the action tends to be really slow. On the other hand, if they're doing the witty repartee thing, 
Yeah, that tends to be going relatively fast. Again, they just haven't really mastered pacing. Because that it may not be a bad thing to go through and talk about exactly how writers affect the pace of the re- reading. Because there are a lot of ways to do it and there's a lot of reasons to do so. So obviously we need to talk about how you can do it plus how, you know, how when it's a good time to do it. We've also got to discuss a long-form comic versus a four-panel strip. Mainly because the four-panel strip is going to be dealing with entirely different types of pacing than a long-form comic. So yeah, this is going to be one of the more interesting podcasts. At least I hope so. So, let's start off with the basics. The dreaded three-act structure. When it comes down to it, there's going to be a lot of times you're going to use a three-act structure and possibly not even realize you're doing it. Not only are you using it for the entire script as a whole, but you're also using it for each page and you're also using it for every scene. Yeah, a lot of writers tend to hate the three-act structure because they feel sort of limiting. The reality, of course, is that, well, we tend to deal with it a lot more than we actually think about it. Generally speaking, a three-act structure obviously has three parts. The first part is the setup, then there's the main action, and then there's the the denouement. There's also going to be two other parts. That's going to be the instigating incident and the climax. All right. When it comes down to it, there's two basic variations on the three-act structure. But the basic setup is that, well, for the first act, you're basically getting all the basic expedition in there, just to let people know what's basically going on. You know, starting to set things up and having all sorts of fun with it. And then you hit the instigating incident. This is a big incident where basically something happens. You know, we've been having all sorts of little things happen, but this is the first big thing that happens, and it sets the stage for the second act. The second act, there's a lot of really cool action, and everything happens, more exposition, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, all of this escalates to the point where we have the climax, which is the second biggest event in the entire script, at least in theory. And then, of course, once we hit the climax, we start going along the denouement. So, of course, obviously, we hit the fade-out situation. When it comes down to it, there's two basic variations on this. You can either have a, let's just say, the average happy ending, or you can have a, well, sad ending. If you're heading towards a standard happy ending, what you end up happening is that the person is having a really good day, you know, everything happens to be going right, and then all of a sudden... Incident happens, and then all of a sudden the complications start increasing. All sorts of bad things happen to the person. Obstacles get in the person's way. Really, you know, it's just basically a really bad Monday. And that Monday just keeps getting worse and worse. Until, of course, obviously it hits the climax. Once it hits the climax, things start going back up and up. That is, the person all of a sudden gets rewarded for whatever bad stuff they've been dealing with. And so we get the happy ending. Basically, good stuff. You know, the day happens to be going along the way it's supposed to. Then the proverbial fecal matter hits the propelling blade. Bad things start happening. These things continue to get worse until they hit a certain point. And at that point, 
everything starts getting being put back into place like it's supposed to. And in fact, it's actually stronger and better than it was prior, at least in theory. And like I said, there's the other direction, which is the person is having a bad day. It tends to get really worse and worse and worse. Then something happens and turns it around and it actually starts getting better and better and better and better and better. And then it crashes. This leads to the proverbial sad ending. Alright, so obviously I'm simplifying a lot of stuff. And, well, obviously you can't have five, seven, nine acts if you really want to. In fact, some people do that just so they can have some sort of weird twist going on. But you don't want to do that just because it tends to get really complicated and it tends to tick people off. Yeah, I can appreciate trying to get away from the formula, but sometimes, like you said, you guys sort of realize that the formula works for a reason. Plus, here's where things get all sorts of fun. Each scene within the movie has its own three-act structure. You don't believe me? Actually, look at it and break down some scenes as they go along. This is important to realize because when we start doing this as an actual comic... We'll be breaking down that three-act structure in our own weird way. Just stay with me. It gets weird. So, let's say, for example, you've got the standard scene where the person is, you know, doing a scene where they're doing a bank robbery. Well, the bank robbery is going to have, things are going to be a build-up, and it's going to be nice and easy where everybody is doing their business. Then the bank robbers come in. Bank robbers, instant instigating incident. For everybody within the bank, things all of a sudden start going downhill. You know, they lose money. Some people may actually get killed. Generally speaking, you have a long string of uh, escalating problems. And then somewhere along the line, one of two things will happen. Either the cops will arrive or the robbers will decide to leave. At that point, stuff starts getting put back into place. Obviously, it's not going to work out too well for some of the people, but generally, it's going to work out pretty well for most of the people, in theory. Unless, of course, the bank had happened to be blown up. But we're sort of looking at it from the people aspect of the people inside the bank. If you're looking at it from the perspective of the bank robbers, on the other hand, well, plan goes along right to the point where they decide to grab the money. You know, it's a nice easy way, things go that we're supposed to do, and then somebody does something stupid. At that point, obstacles start happening to the bank robbers. They either have pro- start having problems getting money out of the vault, uh, die pack gets put into the money, whatever, and then at some point in time, they grab as much money as they can, that is, for the climax, and then they get out of there, and as soon as they get out of there, well, things start getting put back into place. So like I said, every scene within a script needs to come down to some sort of minor three-act play. So let's divert real quick into the four-panel comic, because a four-panel comic is obviously nothing more than, you know, scenes along a particular route. Plus, on top of that, they've got to deal with a generally weekly structure. People who do a basic four-panels comic, and this can either be... And yeah, I'm aware that this sometimes will break down to a three-panel or the equivalent. Generally tend to have two basic ways they do it. 
generally speaking, of course, since we are dealing with webcomics, it's going to come down to one basic variation, which is that you're going to have between three to five um, comics every week. And, well, the breakdown is going to be pretty much basic. That is, on Monday, you're going to have basically the premise for the rest of the week set up. You're going to have whatever strips you have throughout the week, even if it's just one, will build on that particular premise. And at the end of the week, you'll bring it nice and, you know, nice and home. Notice you've still got a nice little three-act structure going on. However, each one of those individual strips has its own little three-act structure going on. Think about it for a sec. In that four panels, you've got a basic premise, which means you're either figuring out a way to start setting things up for that first panel, or you're basically catching people up on what's been going on throughout the entire week. Then, you essentially have some sort of action, you know? And then, of course, you'll have a reaction to that action, and you'll either end right there, or you'll have a nice little tag, you know, a little quick little quip. And that's for every strip for that entire week. So, not only do you have... So, just making it obvious here, is that not only does the strip as a whole for the entire week have its own little three-act structure, that is, you can break down the first strip into the first act, the last strip into the third act, and any strips you have out in between the two of them will be, well, the second act. But each individual strip also has its own little three-act structure. You know? I don't care if it's something as simple as, you know, a guy shows up in a cape, says he's going to stop you, he runs, jumps, that's your action or your second panel, third panel, he may run into a wall. Reaction. And then you show the what actually ends up happening because of that, another reaction, and of course, you'll probably say, dude, you should really watch where you're going. You know, a real basic tag. Obviously, you'll build this up throughout the entire week. You know, your first your first trip of the week will basically be the premise. You know, this is basically what's going on, this is what the punchline is, this is how we're going to develop it. The second or pretty much all the in-between strips are going to be basically building up on that premise, be having an interesting action-reaction situation. And then, of course, the end of the week, you need to bring all this stuff home. Now, obviously, you can extend this if you want. Uh, some people tend to go with a, a two-week cycle rather than, a, than just simply a once-a-week cycle, and some people actually carry out this throughout the entire month. Again... It all depends on what kind of rhythm you're trying to set up for your particular comic. That's fine. Just pointing out to you that you're going to have a lot of really interesting little three-act structures running around all over the place. On top of that, you've got to sort of keep in mind what I was saying earlier about the happy ending versus the sad ending. Flipping this back into it, let's say you've got, for the sake of argument, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday strip. You know, that's when you update your website and say, hey, here's my new panels. Cool. Well, if you're doing it the standard way, you're going to basically end up doing it the happy ending on this, for the first strip, as well as the last strip, 
and a lot of sad endings for the strips in the middle. Yeah, it's just going to work out better that way. You know, because you want each one of these little three and three act structures to work out into the bigger structure. And since the second act is essentially going downhill all the way, anything that's in the middle is going to have to be the sad ending version of the three act structure. Of course, you can also flip this, and if you want to end up, you know, the final strip of the series is going to end up on a downer, well, your first and last will have the bad in, or sad ending structure, and the rest of them will have the happy ending structure. Yeah, I know, it's a little weird, but trust me, it ends up working out exactly where you want to in the end. Okay, so if you followed all that, now we're going to apply it to a much bigger three-act structure. That is, the long-form comic. Because, let's get real, a lot of us tend to go more the whole, let's go full page every so often type of comic rather than just a strip. Well, here's where it gets fun. Yeah, all that little stuff I said about the individual three-act structures making up the bigger three-act structure is going to apply just as much. Essentially, once you figure out where your instigating incident is and where your climax is, at that point you're just going to be stringing together a long series of three-act structures. Each scene that makes up each particular act is going to have the same basic three-act structure in it. So, let's say for the sake of argument that your comic is going to end up on a high note. Obviously, this means that your first and third act scenes are all going to be based out of the happy ending structure. You know, great day, lots of complications, things get put back together type of deal. Conversely, this means that your entire second act, that is every scene that consists of your second act, is going to be just the exact same. There's going to be, well, the opposite version. That are going to be sad endings. Well, to a degree. Things are going to get interesting here in a sec. So, you know, and of course you'll reverse that if you want to end up on a sad ending. It's however you want to end up doing it. Alright. Let's stay right where we're at for just a moment. Let's put a pin in that and come back to it, okay? Anybody here who basically has been on a roller coaster at some point, and the first thing you tend to notice about a roller coaster is that, well, it's a real basic setup. That is, the first part of the roller coaster is you go high up, high up, high up, high up. Then, once you get past it to the highest possible point, you fall. This generates a ridiculous amount of force. You scream, you lose your breath, major coolness happens, you go loop to loops, you go corkscrews, uh, you go curves, you go up, you go under, yeah, you're pretty much going on a really serious endorphin rush. And then, of course, you eventually start pulling into the final part of it, where you end up slowing down. Now, here's where I ask a really funny question, and think about what I'm actually asking here. At any particular point, and let's work this back over a three-act structure momentarily. But, that is, we know where the... We basically know where the instigating incident is. That's the highest possible point. We know where the climax is, which is 
you know, a hundred yards or so away from wherever the end point is. Cool. Now, between those two particular points, how often did you actually, I mean, did you, were you actually staying going straight down the entire roller coaster, or at various points did you actually go up a little bit? I mean, think about that for a second. Were you on the, on the corkscrews? Yeah, you actually went up just a little bit. Um, whenever you did a loop-to-loop, you definitely went up. Admittedly, you're upside down most of the time, but, you know, you basically went in a vertical direction. Yes. You know, away from the center of the planet. Even when you start hitting the final end of it, you're, you know, you've got those kilo undulation things, you're still basically doing it up and down. The only time when you're basically doing it straight up is when you're doing that, you know, trying to hit that first initial point. Other than that, pretty much the entire part of the roller coaster is that you're basically going up and down just in different degrees depending on where you are within the roller coaster. Yeah, see where I'm going with this? When you're basically doing a script, you have to understand that you're not always going to be doing a going downwards thing. In fact, if you're always going, you know, always going down, if you're always going up, it's going to get really boring really quick. So I hate pulling out a really nifty trick from the American Film Institute's book. And yeah, literally, there's an actual book on this stuff by the American Film Institute. Heavily recommended. Track it down. But what they basically point out is that when you basically, each scene has to have a certain emotional weight, judged in terms of positive or negative. You know, if you have two characters get into a major fight, that's obviously the scene's going to have a negative emotional balance. Uh, conversely, if you got two people that, you know, get into a fight, but they end up giggling and it gets really horrible, uh, movie you need to track down in this regard, fried green tomatoes. Two friends have a big, huge blowout fight in the kitchen, flour go- starts going everywhere, really bad language goes everywhere, and then somewhere in point, they just have it, they get up in each other's faces, hit each other with a big thing of flour, and totally lose it. The two women just start giggling. Then they start going into laughing, and then they go into hugging, and it gets horrible. Wait, no, I guess it doesn't. That would actually have a positive weight to it, wouldn't? It? You know, you see what I'm saying here? Each scene is going to basically have a positive or negative emotional weight depending on what goes on within that scene. Even though, in a general scheme of things, it may be going in a generally negative direction, the scene itself doesn't necessarily have to have, you know, just because a scene has an unhappy, has a sad ending, doesn't mean it has to have a negative weight. Bad things can still happen, but it could end up on a positive note at the end of it, which is a really weird way of looking at it, but just go with me on this. It makes things a lot easier. Well, when you're deciding what your script is, what you want to do is make sure that each scene has a different emotional weight than the scene prior to. That is, you want to basically try to layer it so that your scenes basically go positive, negative, positive, negative, positive, negative throughout the entire movie. And it is possible to create an overall negative situation even if half the scenes are positive. It's just depends on how you organize your scenes. 
So what this basically translates to is that when you're actually organizing and doing an outline of your entire script, and trust me, if you're doing a script and you're doing it well, you are doing an outline. What you're going to basically do is anytime you have a scene, you're going to basically put a plus or a minus mark next to it in order to determine, just to let you know that it has a positive or a negative charge to it. This will also help you determine where exactly it goes in with the script. Keep that in mind. We're going to throw another complication into this situation, and that's the various levels of plot. Obviously, any movie will have an A plot. That is, the basic plot as it goes through, and this applies just as much to comics or any other narrative structure. You know, I don't care how old you are or how old the story is, you can definitely notice that there is a definite main story to it. If it's a really fun story, it will have B-plots, that is, subplots, you know. Stuff that's actually going on along with the main plot that can either act entirely different from it or just, you know, something weird going on. Uh, the obvious is the romantic subplot. You know, just because you have, if you're doing anything short of a romantic comedy, you know, like an action-adventure, you know, think about this for a sec. When we have your action-adventure, yeah, we've got the whole, the main plot is, you know, the good guy's trying to get revenge on the bad guy. That's cool. That's real basic, you know. At that point, the instigating incident is going to have the reason why the good guy is trying to get revenge, and the climax will be when all the good guys' things start coming together, and he actually starts finding out that he's actually being effective against the bad guy, and the bad guy's definitely on the way out. You know, real basic main plot. Well, what happens if the good guy is trying to hook up with someone throughout the story? Well, that's your romantic subplot. Or if the bad guy happens to be trying to swindle everybody out of their money. Again, subplot. Um, even the hero can have his own little thing going on, because not only is he pursuing the revenge plot, but he's actually trying to set up a college fund for his daughter. You know? Okay, so it's obviously not as superheroic as a comic, but you get the general drift. That is, we've got one major overarching plot that depends on that pretty much defines the the comic, and we've got all these neat little subplots going around. General rule is that every superhero will have their own little subplot. And think about this for a second. Even if we've got Spider-Man is trying to take out Doc Ock, he's also trying to, you know. Uh, take care of some errands for Aunt May, trying to get money by taking pictures for the Daily Bugle. Yeah, J. J. Jonah Jameson can be a jerk about that. Um, he could even be trying to make sure he hits his classes. Of course, there's the dreaded Parker Luck, but, you know, you do what you do. Obviously, if he's trying to set up a date with Mary Jane, or, you know, that's your obvious romantic subplot. You know, you get all these really funny things. At that point, you've got an A plot and you've got B plots. You can argue that you've got little C plots running around, but general rule is, it's going to, you know, it's, you've got your one major plot, your A plot, and you've got a string of B plots going around. If you want to number them just to keep them straight, cool. Each one of these course will come up with its own little beats, but we'll get to that in a sec. 
The last kind of plot that needs to be noted here is the dreaded running gag. The running gag doesn't necessarily be humorous, but it usually is. My personal favorite example of one is the movie Action Jackson. Straight up, if you have not seen this movie with Carl Weathers, yeah, you need to see it. Um, The basic setup is that until the third act, they have a situation where they have a young man who every time, you know, he keeps hearing more and more stuff about this one cop, Action Jackson, you know, and it gets worse every time he hears. You know, it starts off nice and easy, you know, the guy eats bullets, he was able to survive a major issue, a major gunfight, no problem. He tore limbs off of bad guys, so on and so forth. Every time this kid hears about this cop action Jackson, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And then he meets the guy. And when he meets the guy, he screws up. He runs straight into him, you know, full speed. He's running away from other cops. He runs into a real muscular cop. Notes the guy's name tag. Notes that it's the cop he's been told about throughout this entire movie to this point. And he faints. He just collapses. You know? So you've got this really cool little running gag where you've got this this escalating thing of what's going on with this really horrible cop. And then the guy meets him and... Yeah. The payoff is just just incredible. Again, it's one of those weird movies that's definitely just barely above something you see on Mystery Science Theater 3000, but definitely oh so worth it. At any rate, that's a running gag, and I point out real quick that it doesn't have to be funny. It can actually be thought-provoking. You know, it can actually be a little bit on the dark side. That's fine. In fact, it doesn't even have to be a humorous thing. It just has to be something that repeats and just tends to escalate over time. Now, each one of these plots is going to be made out of different scenes. For the purpose of our conversation, we're now going to call these scenes beats. The reason we're calling them beats is because, well, each one of these scenes is going to be assigned a positive or negative value. And as... So obviously what's going to happen is that when we start to, you know, each one of these different little plots will have its own little outline if we're actually being well organized about what we're doing. And then each individual scene will have an emotional weight attached to it. It will have its own little plus or minus sign. Now, what you end up doing is that when you're organizing your scenes, say you're trying to figure out where each scene is going to come into it, well... Remember what I said earlier about you're going to want to have a different emotional weight each time? You know, you want to go negative, positive, positive, negative, or sorry, you want to keep negative, positive, negative, positive, negative, positive, negative, positive. Well, when you start organizing your scenes, you're obviously going to be taking each one of these little individual scenes and looking at its emotional weight and using that emotional weight to determine where it goes into the overall structure. Sort of cool. And like I said, what's really weird is keep in mind that each one of these individual plots will again have its own little three-act structure. You know, there will be an instigating incident, there will be a climax, there will be a point where basically everything's either going all right or all wrong, you'll hit a long string of complications, and then 
either everything will fall apart or everything will come together. And here's the really cool part about all this. You don't have to have the same three-act structure that you have the overall thing. So, if you want to, obviously if we're having a villainous and he, you know, villain doing something really bad and he's got his own little subplot, obviously that one is going to be end up with a sad ending compared to the happy ending of the overall movie or the overall comic. Yeah, I know, I keep missing the movie and comic. Uh, that's because I'm cheating here and taking this off the American Film Institute yet again. It just happens to be easier to call it a movie for the sake of conversation. But trust me, the same thing applies to any comic. Anytime you have anything that has a narrative structure, you're going to be hitting it with a thousand and one different little three-act structures. Go figure. So again, you've got all these really cool little things going on, and now you can assign a definite positive and negative weight to them, and then you can put these, use those negative and positive weights to assign where it goes into the big structure. Sort of cool, huh? In case you're curious how to do all the pacing stuff. Okay, so, in case for those who aren't playing along, we've managed to go from really big broad strokes, that is a big, huge three-act stroke, uh, three-act structure, down to the, shall we say, medium strokes of the subplot, the beats, and all that fun stuff. Now we can actually deal with the finer strokes, which are all sorts of fun. Okay, so... When it comes down to it, you're going to want to basically have different types of scenes that have different type of emotional weight. And by setting up how fast that goes through that particular scene, you define its emotional weight as well, whether it be positive or negative. So, let's say we have a big dramatic moment. We want to slow that down as much as we possibly can. You know, same applies to it if we want to have a little bit of exposition. We want to slow that again down a little bit as well because that gives the readers a chance to actually digest what's going on. On the flip side, if we're doing action, yeah, we want that to go as quick down as quickly as possible. And if we got some really cool repartee going down, hey, we want that to go as quickly as possible as well. So, how this is going to basically how are we going to affect this? Easy literacy. No, seriously, you really and of course detail. Um, when you start doing your action scenes, you're going to want to go from really high detail to doing real basic stuff. You know, you don't want to all of a sudden to do all the medals and the epaulets and all that, all the really fancy stuff. You just want to do as basic a costume as you possibly can. By going with a real basic version of the costume, as well as possibly going with smaller panels, you can actually increase the speed of that particular scene you're dealing with. On the flip side... By drawing out the scene, for example, if we want a person to, you know, do this really dramatic crossing of a auditorium, and we're going to have Jake say six panels, then they obviously will be going about a sixth of the way throughout the auditorium as the panels progress. That slows it down a lot. The other way we can slow things down is by throwing words at it. This not only means dialogue, but we can also take advantage of captions and do so as well. The Stanley Jack Kirby mode of operation, the so-called Marvel method, tends to use this a lot. And it's actually sort of all sorts of cool. In fact, it actually became you know, part of the trademark of those two particular people. So we can actually do, you know, if we want to slow things down, we can either 
like I said, draw out the particular action, or we can throw a lot of words at it. And if we're the difference between the difference between the expository dialogue and the repartee type dialogue is that we have no problem throwing up big chunks of lettering in order to slow things down and make sure people can digest what's going on. Conversely, with the repartee, it's going to be really quick snippets of dialogue. You know, sort of like uh, Shakespeare on Overdrive. If you really want some fun examples, Dorothy Parker. Um, but either way, there's a definite difference between the way the dialogue goes. And that's another way of just slow things down a little bit. On the other hand, if you want to do something really cool and actually start building a little bit of suspense, especially if you know exactly where the point is, figure out a way to go from really slow scenes, speed up the scenes just a little bit each time, and trust me, by the time you hit that last bit of suspense, where the scenes are going relatively fast, then you can hit them with the suspense and you'll be basically putting them out of their misery. You know, you'll be torturing the readers, and then all of a sudden they'll love you for it. All you have to do is take really long scenes, really slow it down, and start speeding it up a little bit. And yeah, it's a great way to build suspense, and usually a very effective way. Yeah, it's basically the equivalent of if you're watching a movie, and you notice how the, the, movie, the music tends to get closer and closer together in terms of the beats? Yeah, you can do the same thing with your own beats in the comic. Sort of nice. And it works really effectively. Now, everything I've said pretty much to this point applies to movies and comics. They both have a definite narrative structure, so therefore anything that applies to one usually applies to the other. However, when you start dealing with comics, you sort of have to realize that there are one basic rule. Just like with action, you only have one action per panel. When you deal with scenes, you probably want to try to keep it down to... You know, the scenes are an entire page. Or, you know, you basically want to have every page relative to a particular scene. There are some neat exceptions to that rule, however. First off is obviously if you're doing a parallel structure. That is, you've got two really neat little stories that are going along, and they happen to basically build each other exactly the same way. That is, they have, even if they're two entirely different stories they happen to have this really neat thing of building into each other. You know, if you want to basically describe the adventures of somebody going to a treasure mine, well, at the same time, you can parallel with somebody going to maps. As they find more stuff in the map, the person can, you know, is going to go deeper into the mine. Sort of an interesting little parallel structure, and it works really good because even though technically they're two separate scenes, you can definitely have them on the same page and it works out really great. We sort of do flashbacks differently than they do in movies because in a comic book scene, flashbacks are actually part of the scene rather than a flashback being its own little thing. And then, you know, you basically go back to wherever the scene is and you finish it out real quick. In a comic book, we actually have flashbacks are their own individual scenes, but... Or sorry, they're actually part of other scenes. Go figure. We actually do have our own little things going on. Um, that's another little exception to the rule, even though it's not a major one. Okay. So, not that I've... Just to make sure I've completely lost everybody, let's backtrack big time. 
in essence, when we start looking at 3x structures, we're going to have some sort of situation where it tends to escalate to a certain point, and that point becomes our instigating point. At that point, we're going to hit a whole lot of situations where it's basically going to escalate one way or another. And then it's going to hit another point. That'll lead us to our climax, and once we hit our climax, we'll be heading into a denouement. Now, we can either ha- end up on a happy note or a sad note. If we're going to end up on the sad note, then everything is basically going to go really horrible. Then we're going to hit a point where everything's going to be going really, really right and escalating in that direction for a while until it hits a certain point, in which case it's going to go into total chaos and start breaking down. That's our sad ending. On the other hand, if we're going to end up on a happy note, well, we're going to have this person having a really great day. Something bad's going to happen. Again, instigating incident. Things are going to tend to escalate in a downward direction for quite a while. Second act. And then it's going to hit the climax. Once it hits the climax, well, the world will start getting put together and there will be, ideally, some sort of reward at the end of it. Happy ending. Each individual plot that makes up the um, script as a whole will have the same basic three-act structure. These three-act structures do not have to be the same. That is, even if the movie as a whole ends up on a happy ending, this doesn't necessarily mean that the subplots themselves have to have a happy ending. Uh, romantic plot can go sour. Um, the bad guy can have a really bad day, even though he has his own little subplot going on. And so on and so forth. The subplots do not have to have the same type of ending that the overarching plot has. The A plot and the B plots can have different things. Um, Each one of these scenes will have its own positive or negative weight to it. When we start reorganizing the plot and going from outline to actually writing the thing, well, part of the outline is, is that we will take the scenes and based on the emotional weight, positive or negative, and organize it so that the overall s- script as a whole goes basically negative, positive, po- negative, positive, negative, positive, negative, positive all the way through. Of course, you really want to be obnoxious. You can't go positive, negative, positive, negative, positive, negative. doesn't matter. Just so long as you're not doing two positives in a row or two negatives in a row. Real basic stuff here, people. Once you have all these beats set up exactly the way you want to, then you should be able to start running. Don't forget to include some sort of really neat little running gag. The running gag doesn't necessarily have to be funny. It just has to be something that tends to escalate in and of itself with a really nice little payoff at some point. And of course you're going to find out that this not only applies to a long-form comic, but it will apply to a four-panel comic as well. So, even if you got a four-panel, hey, you're going to be wanting to pay attention to a lot of this as well. Even if your plot structure is pretty much, again, going off a four-panel, is setting up the premise, setting up a reaction, setting up a reaction, setting up a conclusion. Preferably a little cute little sarcastic tag at the end. And again, if you're going to basically be doing this over a week, you're going to set up the premise in the first strip, you're going to have the, you know, take it home on the last strip, and any strips in between, you're going to basically be building on that and having its own little action-reaction chain. Go figure, we got a fractal system within our scripts. Screw you, mathematicians. Um, and just keep that in mind. If you want to basically set up a really cool little pacing thing, 
just pay attention to what kind of scenes you're doing. You know, if you're doing the expository stuff or if you're doing dramatic, you're going to want to slow down the scenes. If you're doing the action or if you're doing the repartee, you're going to want to speed things up a little bit. And if you just want to have people going along the regular days, then hey, you're going to have average speed. But the bottom line here is, control your pacing, and you're going to find your scripts are going to be a lot more interesting, a lot tighter. Just like I said, just make sure you're very well organized when you start doing your scripts. It helps, big time. I tend to basically have all this stuff out on a big piece of paper, then I mark the weight for each thing, and then I combine it in. You can also do this really effectively with index cards. And then as you basically go through, just, you know, write whatever on the index card, flip it over, and go to the next index card. Real simple. So with that in mind, have a great day. And just pay attention to your scripts. Talk to you later.